0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit hyundaiusa.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: Welcome into the Odds and Audibles podcast, Matt premier Eric Scoble, Jared Mech on the show today. Welcome to your Monday edition. Uh, It is the first day of a recruiting dead period. And boy, did Oregon have some fireworks all in the days leading up to this recruiting dead period, because maybe the biggest recruiting weekend we can remember from a pure official visit standpoint happened. Um, The names grew and grew. Uh, Oregon had four five-star players on campus. And most importantly for an unofficial visit, was five-star quarterback uh, Dante Moore out of Martin Luther King High School in Detroit, Michigan. This was his second visit to Eugene. And, guys, I I think a month ago it felt like Oregon was in the picture, but it's like some things had to go their way for Oregon to get him. And over that month, things have fallen correctly for Oregon – And then it got real serious this weekend when Moore arrived. Obviously, Steve Wiltfong, director of recruiting at 247 Sports, has placed a crystal ball for Oregon to land Dante Moore. But there's a lot of hype, there's a lot of excitement around a potential addition to Dante Moore, of of Dante Moore to this class, which could the ripple effect of it could be huge for the, the long term prospectus of this recruiting class for 2023.
2: We've talked about it before, you know, recruiting classes are built around the quarterback and for Oregon to potentially land the lone five-star. I know Ty Thompson was a five-star by some services, but the lone consensus five-star and Dante Moore would be absolutely massive. And I I think it's very notable. He made it up here on his own dime on an unofficial when Oregon had a bunch of their top targets here. Uh, Not that he was recruiting for Oregon, but it certainly doesn't feel like a situation where he just kind of happened to show up at a random weekend and see what was going on. Like he was very, I think, and in, in staff was intentional with the choice to have him, you know, potentially come up. And I think he was intentional with his time. Um, the the crystal ball is notable is also notable that the other big time quarterback prospect that we talked about, or at least I was on vacation for a week, so I can't remember the timeline of all this stuff, but Avery Johnson was the other four uh, star yeah. quarterback out of Kansas that Oregon was supposedly kind of in on and maybe, maybe a backup plan to more. Well, the crystal ball has now shifted to Kansas State, the in-state school for Avery. And I think that's also an indication that not that Oregon has said, hey, Avery, we're not interested, but we're focused on another player. And it's Dante Moore. And he was on campus with a bunch of big time prospects, as Matt says. And you get excited by the possibility of this and the fact that Wilt Fong has put a crystal ball in. Adds to it. I know Matt has heard some really positive things as well about how this visit went down. I and mean, there's a photo posed of him posing with Marcus Mariota, who was up here for, uh, I think, a golf tournament this weekend. So, I mean, a lot of things kind of fell in line. There's a lot of excitement around this football program and, and this recruiting class. And again, Oregon already has a couple of top 150 wide receivers committed, already has a four-star running back, but they're, they're in on some of the other top receivers and running backs nationally, One of a couple of which have been on campus recently. And I just think you have to be really encouraged by where the offensive recruiting is going this cycle because you go into it, I think we all kind of expect, hey, they're going to get some dudes on defense with Dan Landing and Tosh Lupo and, and their history. Um, not that we thought, hey, they wouldn't land anybody on offense, but I think there was a, a sense of, Defense is going to be the easier place to start based upon kind of prior success at other schools. There's a chance that Oregon has a really, really loaded class and that several of their top five to six guys are offensive players. And that's a great place to start for a program that really needs kind of a bit of an offensive um, influx of talent. Not that they don't have guys right now, but certainly you'd love to start with a guy like Moore who couldn't come in in 23 and, and maybe challenge to play as a, as a true freshman. And if not right away, you've got a couple more years down the line.
0: You guys both mentioned the ripple effect of what a quarterback can do for a class. And um, Eric, you mentioned Ty Thompson, you saw that in the 2021 recruiting class, but a more recent guy is just Arch Manning. And I know he you know, wasn't looking at Oregon or anything like that, but uh, just trying to describe what the ripple effect is. So you know, he commits to Texas this past week. Um, if you go through the 24 seven sports, so the crystal ball, the prediction page, although there's a lot of them right now, after all these recent visits to all the schools in the country, Um, Texas is up there. They've gotten a lot of crystal balls for a lot of wide receivers, even uh, defensive players, just because it shows a significant meaning to other prospects who are considering what school this quarterback goes to. Like, okay, that guy's going there. There's, there's gotta be something going on. Um, And when, when, when Steve, when Wilfong, you know, when he gave his crystal ball prediction for Dante Moore to Oregon, um, you know, I don't, I wouldn't say you can write it in concrete or sit and set it in stone, but you know, I think Wolf Fong is is pretty locked in obviously and his, his crystal crystal balls mean a lot. Um, and you look at like Eric mentioned how he gets to Oregon on this, this past weekend where all these other tremendous recruits and one of the best recruiting weekends in Oregon history are there. Um, that's on his own dime too. That's something not to take lightly. I think that's, that means a lot. Um, He's obviously a tremendous talent and a number four quarterback overall in the country. Um, and with you go, you go through the top 10 quarterbacks of the class of 2023. I think he's the only one that's still uncommitted. You had know, Jaden Rashada recently commit to Miami I think, yesterday. Um, so the, the time frame for a quarterback of his caliber is to, to commit sometime in the near future, whether that's the next month, next two months, or who knows, in the next couple of weeks, um, I think it's really important that Oregon is potentially his last visit and was there with a a whole bunch of other really talented guys who on offense or defense would um, definitely feel some sort of recruiting momentum if he picks Oregon.
1: Yeah, it it feels like this could be that crack in the dam if Dante Moore does commit to Oregon where the floodgates kind of open up and then we get into kind of some kooky talk um, we were having an off discussion um, off podcast discussion over the weekend of just how realistic some things could be with, you know, th- this kind of transitions into just this weekend in general of, of players that there's a lot of excitement for, but Oregon over the weekend had last couple of weekends had five-star Mateo Ungelele on campus Five star Richard Young on campus. Jaden Wayne, who is a top 40 player in the country. Um, Dante Moore was here on an official visit. Uh, Samuel Mpemba, another five star, just showed up on Saturday for an unofficial visit. Uh, last week, David Hicks is a five star. He was on campus. Jonte Cook, another five star. He was on campus. And you kind of look at these names and you're like a lot of these guys, I feel like is Oregon is either one a or one B or kind of in that unofficial top three pecking order. And you start looking at it and going, they realistically could sign two or three or maybe even four as crazy as it sounds five stars. And like you guys just mentioned Dante Moore, if he commits in the next couple of weeks and it's for Oregon, it could push a guy like Richard Young, who was at the hip with him on in Eugene this past weekend, to, to go Oregon. And that's where this class could go from a really good class to just blowing away all-time uh, recruiting class. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll discuss some names that we are hearing that could – give a verbal commitment to Oregon that we're here this past weekend and what it would mean for the Oregon Ducks.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive.
1: All right, welcome back to the Odds and Audibles podcast, uh, Matt Prey, Eric Mac. We're talking heavy recruiting because it was a heavy recruiting weekend, and I don't want to sound like everybody is potential commit that was here this weekend, but I think Oregon's in a good position for basically everybody that was here. So I'll I'll go the next step of guys I feel really confident are are going to be an Oregon duck. Um, they had more than a couple offensive linemen on campus, um, Alani Noah and and Micah Benuelos. And I I think they're going to get both. Um, Alani Noah was a player that they tried to get to commit in the spring. He, he decided he wanted to wait. Morgan kind of looked at their other options and, um, USC felt like they were going to get him last weekend for a verbal commitment, and then he came up here to Eugene for a visit. And I think this visit's going to kind of be the thing that ices it for Oregon. And then Benuelos is an offensive lineman from Washington. Same thing. USC thought they had him. I think Oregon's going to push here and get him. That's going to be a, a pretty substantial addition. Um, I will not go into too much detail. We don't have to go into too much detail because we just talked about him. I think they're going to get Dante Moore. Um, I'm going to put a crystal ball in after this podcast. And I think he'll be in the mix. And then you look at the rest of the group that was here for official visits. And I think they're in a good spot for Jaden Wayne. And I almost think that between Blake Purchase and Blake Nicholson um, and Mikil Gardner, they're going to sign one of those three guys. I'm not quite sure which one it is, but one of those three. And so I kind of said that like they're they're in a really good spot. Like I don't want to go Richard Young, I don't want to go Mateo Ungare because I while I feel like they're there Oregon is a is a good spot. I'm just not ready yet to say they're going to sign like five five stars. That like, just seems kind of ridiculous right now. I don't want to go I'm 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 trying to be conservative here.
2: Matt's just straining himself a little bit. And I kind of understand why too, because you're coming off this weekend and all of the buzz is so positive yeah. that you just kind of go like, is it? Is it really going to happen? I know there's a couple on the message board who will listen to this podcast and will comment, yes, I've been saying this is going to happen for a while. <laughs> and I think it, too, I, this conversation made me think of two podcast discussions we've had. One which was back in like, gosh, probably May, maybe or April when we talked about like, could Oregon land four or five five stars? And we all kind of shrugged it off like, yeah, that's probably not going to happen. And, and now I'm kind of like, maybe like is it is that like it kind of feels like that's not the most absurd i'm not gonna again like like matt i'm not gonna like jump out and say that's gonna happen but like seems like it's not the most implausible outcome for this and then the other one is when matt did his um projection on the class that was kind of like a best case but not not the total best case but realistic i think you you termed it as yeah and you you had avery johnson not dante moore well if you slide dante Moore in and you kind of think that hey maybe the Dante Moore ripple effect leads another five star or two to, 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 to sign or, or give a verbal commitment, you do start going, and I think even with that, your your projections there, Matt, which were a little conservative even then, it was like seventh in the country, eighth in the country, that range. Like this could be, I don't want to get too kooky with it either, but like this could be a legitimately, again, we're coming off the biggest weekend of the year. So maybe there's a little bit of recency bias, but it it feels like, man, if everything breaks at best case, like this could be that top three to five to six class, which again, I don't want to like write my name and sign it to that and, and, and tell all the fans listening that that's what's gonna happen. but the buzz is, is really palpable and it's really real I'm coming off vacation and I'm kind of reintegrating myself with the message board and what everybody's been reporting and social media kind of going like, wow, like what a <laughs> what a weekend for Oregon and, and as Matt said, you don't want to predict everybody's going to commit, but it doesn't feel like Oregon is in bad shape for a lot of these guys. I mean, Richard Young is a player that Wilt Fong has also reported Oregon is in good shape with David, David Hicks, who um, visited like last weekend, the weekend prior the guy, he, Wilt Fong also said Oregon is kind of making a push for, and like, you know, we don't know exactly. I haven't heard a whole lot about how Mateo's visit went, but you check his social media. I think he made his like first social media post in over half a year was on his visit to Oregon. And and you just kind of think about how all this could play out. And it's, it's hard not to be really optimistic that not only is Dan Lanning and staff going to land a really good class, but this could be like maybe a historically good class. I mean, he could, his first signing class, Oregon, could be the best ever. And I, feels, I, did, I think we've all been kind of guarding ourselves to say those kind of things, but the further you get into June and, and into July, and, and we'll see kind of how the rest of this plays out over the next couple of weeks. I think there's reason to be really optimistic about how this 23 class is going to shake up.
0: Yeah, there's obviously there's reason to be optimistic. Uh, I think everybody on the message board, you know, almost exploded when Steve Wilfong placed a crystal ball for Dante Moore. Um, and I think that's uh, I, there's uh, no reason not to be optimistic. Um, you see a crystal ball prediction like that. You see what Steve Wilfong and what Matt has heard over the last couple of days, or the last week, I should say. Uh, and it's a it's a lot of good things. Um, I think a, a top ten class should be. Should be very, very much an, uh, a realistic projection at least at this point. Um, like Eric, like you were mentioning with Matt's, um, you know, kind of conservative but realistic projection of a class. That's still a top ten there, and then you swap out more for Johnson. That's pretty darn good. Um, with Mateo Uwe Anglele, like that's that's going to be a close one. Um, obviously, there's still there's still plenty of teams out there in the country who. I don't know, kind of like a, like a sleeping beast. Like Alabama doesn't have too many commits, but you know, like three of them are five stars. So they're going to get into play once again, uh, Richard Young specifically. That's, that's what Steve Wilfong has said in the past that Oregon and Alabama are seemingly his one and two in whatever order they choose. Uh, I just, I I think signing multiple five stars is just going to be really hard to do. Um, Like the three to four to five. uh, I don't think a lot of classes do that in general, um, with Oregon, they still have to go head to head with those guys. And yeah. eventually I think they can get the best of them. Maybe this is that class, um, especially with uh Oregon's ability to to adapt with how recruiting is changing with NIL deals. Um, I, I just think it's it's gonna be really hard. I don't want to sound like a, a negative Nelly over here. Um, because I still think that Oregon's gonna have a really good position to land in the top 10. Um But like, yeah, the the four to five, the three, four, five, five stars is going to be just so difficult to do. But that being said, there's a bunch of really highly talented four stars that were on campus that can make up this class. Um, They might not have the same like selling name that Adante Moore does or Uyungle or uh, uh, Richard Young, but they're going to boost this class. They're going to have a lot of depth on this team. There's going to be a lot of talent that could turn into potential starters, potential NFL draft picks down the road. And that's not a bad thing. That's what Mario Cristobal has done in the last couple of years. It's Yeah, there's usually been a, a headliner, a five-star, a really high four-star that, that headlines the class. But the depth that you go through um, on duckterritory.com have been going through every uh, every room uh, on the roster. And the last couple of recruiting classes from 19 to, to 21, um, those have all been really deep in classes. And those are some of the best players at every position. Um, and I think if Landing continues to do that, That's great for Oregon. He's going to get his big fish, certainly. I don't know how many big fishes he's going to catch. I know he is a fisherman. Um, But someone like Jurion Dickey, who is still a four-star right now, but could go up at the end of the the year, um, that's a really good four-star recruit if that's who you're getting. That's someone like Troy Franklin. That's someone like a Dante Thornton. Um, While it doesn't exactly, you know, the five-stars always catch everybody's eyes, it's not the worst case when you stack your team up with 13 top 100 guys.
1: And Jared, he could also, Dickie could elevate himself into that five-star status. Right. Which could give you two. I mean, I'm I'm with Jared and this is where I was trying to be conservative of like the, the frequency of Oregon signing multiple five stars in the same class is extremely rare. And we've gotten kind of maybe used to it or expecting of it. The last couple of seasons because they've done it um, under Mario Cristobal, and I don't think it had really happened prior to that moment in time. No, and so like you're you're saying something that happened in you know a couple times over a four year run is is going to be what is now the norm uh, uh, when you ignore the fact that for I think twenty five other years in the recruiting era that they never done it before. Um, So I think Jared is, it, it's good that Jared's kind of tempering expectations here because we're still in that infancy stage for Oregon of, of signing some, you know, that many five stars in one class. But I think the point here is, is that we've, we've made is Oregon is in a position where it could happen. I don't know if yep, we should expect 100%. it. We don't know if we should expect it, but it could happen. We're in a, we're in a position now where Oregon could, could be a, that school that signs two to, to five five-star recruits. Um, and Eric brought up the fact of, of you know where this class could be from a conservative standpoint. You, you throw in Dante, Moore, Wayne, Purchase, uh, Noah, and, and Buenelos, and this recruiting class as of today would be the, the fifth-best class in, in the country. Um, obviously, those guys all aren't going to commit on the same day, I think it's very safe to also say if they do it in the next month, Oregon will be somewhere in the top ten, and that's you're flirting with top. You know, if you're in the top ten. You're flirting with your best class in program history at Oregon. Um, so that's things are are trending that direction. And before we wrap up the show, we do need to talk about an actual commitment that has happened. Um, Colin Gill on Friday was. Uh, one of or Thursday, excuse me, was one of two players this past week to give verbal commitments to the ducks. Tyler Turner did it first, and then Colin Gill followed it up. A three-star cornerback from St. John's High School in Washington, DC. This is a player who's got over 30 scholarship offers, programs from all the big the big conferences were after him. Um I, I these are These are the ones that I think Eric likes the most, and I kind of am too, where talented dude, he's got the potential in two or three years to become something pretty special. He just needs time.
2: Isn't it notable that half of the eight verbal commitments are defensive acts right now? I think that sort of stands out with with what's happened here and and some really good ones. And Gil's a guy who I know is funny seeing. Some kind of it became clear earlier. I think last week that he was probably going to commit, and there was some sense of is this like a preferred walk-on who's going to have an NIL deal thing? It's like no, this guy is one of the biggest prospects, like in terms of up-and-comers this summer, and this happens all the time. And I'll, I'll be curious to see. I think he's currently like 1100th in the country as a national mm-hmm. prospect. That's not where he's going to finish up. And you look at kind of the the trajectory he's on. It, it seems like this is somebody who probably going to be a closer to a high three star by the time this is all done. And, and maybe we can get Brian Doan on here at some point to talk about some of these Northeast kids that Oregon's in on. And maybe he can shed some light on what he sees him projecting at, or maybe when we, I know we're going to have Steve. Wilt this is kind of a, a upcoming podcast teaser, but at some point in the next little bit here, Steve's a busy guy, but we're going to have Steve Wiltfong on a podcast. Maybe we can get his insight on Gil as well, just because I'd be curious to hear a little bit more about what they think about him and kind of his emergence as a, a prospect Oregon would take because Oregon is in on, has tripped a lot of big-time corners and safeties the last couple weeks. And that's one thing I will say is, listed as a corner, you watch him a little bit, like this feels more like a a hybrid nickel, maybe a a safety guy, somebody who can play several spots. and, And maybe that's what makes him most attractive is his potential versatility, where he could be a guy who plays is capable of playing two to three spots like a Bennett Williams or um, you know, I guess Verrow McKinley did that a little bit, but primarily played deep safety. But guys, who have that sort of positional versatility in a defensive backfield that wants to give you a bunch of different looks, I think is really valuable. um, pretty good size as well and 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 honestly, a little bit more explosive than I think you expect for somebody who d- didn't have a lot of offers just a couple of months ago because you, you know you usually when you see guys explode on the uh, on like the summer camp circuit, these are guys you look at their you know the previous high school year tape and you go, ah, Nothing really pops. I think you watch him a little bit, and you're you're not coming away going like, "Oh, that's a stretch." Like it, it makes sense, and and obviously mm-hmm. what people have seen this spring and and now into the early summer periods, um, that kind of aligns with this is a guy that that not only did Oregon one, but a lot of schools nationally were kind of uh, pushing their chips in, um down the last couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, I watched his tape as well. He's certainly someone who seems like a tweener, somebody who can play corner, somebody who can play nickel, somebody who can play safety. I think I would actually prefer him at the safety position. Um, he certainly has man-to-man coverage skills, but when you watch his tape, when he lines up a nickel, wherever he is in the, in the defensive backfield, just not a corner, I, I just like it better. He runs hard. He runs downhill. He hits hard. He has good routes to, to, to the ball handlers. Um, this is a guy whose final four was Oregon, Washington, Maryland, and Michigan. Uh, this is a kid who, in Brian Doan's article on Duck Territory, says that he wanted to play in the Pac-12, he wanted to get to the West Coast. Um, Who's someone who is very relieved that he's committed this early and now just waits till December for signing day. Um, I like the pickup for Oregon. Uh, this certainly kind of reminds me of how like Darren Barkins really came onto the scene last year, pre-senior season, and kind of shot up the rankings. Um, it was definitely an interesting one when you first heard his name and you looked at his profile and it's like in the 1100s or whatever the case may be. Uh, like Eric said, I don't think he'll stay there long. Um, he certainly has the intangibles. He has the offer list now after a great summer. Um, I like his size and his strength, his physicality as well. Um, and all those, the size, strength, physicality, those make me feel like he's going to be a safety prospect. Um, in that same article with Don, he mentions that um, Oregon is going to try to play him all over the field. Um, That his primary connection was Demetrius Martin, as well as Colin Lockett, who's a a defensive analyst, I think he is at Oregon. Um, And so you look at that and how they're stacking this class, like Eric mentioned, with the four defensive backs or cornerbacks. Um, Matt and I, we talked about this on a, a podcast last week about how Oregon could have potentially six safeties leave the program after this year, two for sure. In uh, Donovan, Dalton, and Bennett Williams, who just run out of eligibility, um, this is another guy who you could place back there and at least get um, you know practice reps. And something Dan Lanning loves to do is get them actual reps, not just in the film room. Um, I think there's a lot of upside with with Gill here, and I think it's a good take for Oregon. I think people will be looking at that towards the end of the season and saying, "Yeah, that was that was a good idea to take that kid out of DC." I think he'll 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 help out eventually.
1: I know people are going to look at he's in the bottom of the recruiting class for Oregon right now. And he's a three-star, he's the 98th best cornerback in the country. I, mean, I know people are going to look at that and just kind of wash it away. Mm-hmm. But these are the, some of the schools that have offered him scholarships. Cincinnati, which has gone two straight years in the regular season without losing a football game, and they've produced more than a handful of NFL players the last three or four years in the secondary. They have offered um, Michigan, who was a another team to make the college football playoff last season, they have also offered uh, Gill a scholarship. Ole Miss is certainly one that has gotten better the last couple of seasons in Lane Kiffin. They have offered him a scholarship. And then out West, you look at Utah and you look at Washington, and I know speaking of Washington in this way may make some Duck fans a little upset, but Washington DBs are good. And they yep. they produce almost one NFL player every single season for the last like six years. So if Utah and Washington are also offering a guy, like the first instance is well, Oregon's offering, they like him, there's something there. That should be your first check. If if, if you're still doubting it, look at some of these schools that have offered him scholarships in their history of winning or and or putting players into the NFL at that particular position. I think I think that's really an encouraging sign. If, if you're looking at this thing, oh, it's just a three-star, who cares?
2: I think it's also encouraging before we wrap it here just that they got a kid from... I know it sounded like he was highly interested in, and maybe preferred to go to West, but yep. not very often Oregon lands a kid out of Washington, D.C. You know, In fact, I was trying to look through the all-time commit rankings. There's certainly been kids from Maryland and, and that part of the country. I don't know if I've seen anybody just from... DC listed for the entirety of Oregon recruiting since 2002. I need to do like a bigger background check on that, but not not a place where Oregon has had a ton of success. Again, some success recently with Maryland. So there might be some connections there, but notable anytime you go to a new part of the country or, or a new, um, I guess, area and, and have some success and pull a kid again, who didn't have the biggest offer list a, a little bit ago, but as Matt ran through and, and Jared ran through, Certainly was coveted by some pretty darn good programs. So I, I think you got to be encouraged there. And I think you also have to look at the class and go, as as, as Jared said, going to be potentially a lot of outgoing safeties. Yeah. Um, potentially could be a, a deal where you lose transfers. You just don't know. I, I do wonder now, four commitments to defensive backs, two corners, two safeties. Honestly, Gill's kind of a hybrid. So I don't know where you want to put him. I, I just kind of wonder what's the cap here from a positional number in terms of how many are takes because Oregon probably has 16 maybe open spots available I kind of wonder if you'd still you'll see um, sorry you'll see them take two to three more throughout this class that are defensive backs whether it be at corner or safety because I think with Gil I don't know if that really changes your number too much with like a strictly corner guy and Oregon's had some pretty darn good corners visit I just, I just think you can I think maybe some people look at the numbers and go, oh, shoot, well, now Oregon only has such a – are they going to take more corners and does that you know, ruin them for some of these top prospects? I don't think you look at it that way. I think Oregon will continue to be pretty active in recruiting defensive backs this cycle.
1: It's going to be interesting seeing this class play out and the way it's progressing. Uh, there's more and more confidence that Oregon is going to have one of the better classes in the Pac-12 and also in the country, and we'll cover it all on DuckTerritory.com. Stay on the lookout for another podcast that will drop later this week on Wednesday, and then we'll have another one also on Friday. And until then, just know you've been listening to the Ots and Audibles podcast. Talk
2: to you later, folks. Peace.
1: The time has come for drag queens to save the world.
0: world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount+. And for the first time ever,
2: I want you to use your talent for good for a change.
0: (laughs) Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms of Life.
2: CBS Sunday, after the Equalizer.
0: You collect rewards, right?
2: This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something
1: of tracker
0: you strong swimmer so 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 so's okay
1: justin hartley stars how you survive you make quick smart decisions if you never let
2: panic take the wheel sounds cool it is cool actually very cool tracker cbs season finale sunday after the equalizer on cbs and streaming on paramount plus